Hello, and welcome back to Affirmative Action. I'm your host, Antoinette Grajeda. Today, we're turning our attention to the topic of violence and its impact on African-American men. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the leading cause of death among Black males ages 1 to 44 is homicide. After a student was murdered in 2012, Arkansas Baptist College in Little Rock established the Derek Olivier Research Institute for the Prevention of Violence in 2016 to create awareness and seek solutions to this epidemic of violence. To learn more about the Institute's efforts, we recently spoke with its director, Edmund Davis, as well as Dory Unit President Antoine Turtle-Jones and board member Charles Newsom. To begin our conversation, Edmund shared the story of the Institute's namesake, Derek Olivier. Derek was a 19-year-old college freshman from a small town in South Louisiana. And uh, he was an excellent in terms of academics and he excelled on the football field as well. And his mother, Mama Alma, and his dad, Papa Joe, they both, uh, of course, months before, he became a student, said, you got a choice. Said that you could either uh, go to the military or you could uh, go to college. Which one do you want to do? And Derek's response was something to the effect of, I don't want to go to the military. I might get shot and killed. I'd rather go ahead and you know go to college and uh, a major in XYZ and, and, and possibly uh, play football. And so his mom and dad said, okay, we support that baby. And so uh, traveled up to Little Rock. This was during the fall of 2012, September 2012. September 27th was the day he was shot and killed on our campus. Well, really right across the street from the campus. And so uh, that goes troublesome because he didn't want to go to the military because he thought he would get shot, but he comes to college and gets shot. And so, uh, that was just, you know, one of those eerie twists of fates. He wasn't selling drugs. He wasn't into any illicit activity. You know, he was a college freshman with a good name, doing the right thing. And uh, he was actually changing his spare tire, helping someone. When uh, somebody, just a random person, started walking down the street, kind of came through uh there are uh, the crowd who was around changing tires and uh they he's looking they were listening for some shots and of course Derek being from the country you know he would he was unbeknownst of him you know what's going on everybody started to run because they were familiar with shots being fired but Derek said okay what's all this about and uh he got shot three times in his back and uh ran across the street and died on the sidewalk at Arkansas Baptist College. And so, of course, the president at that time, Fitzgerald Hill, had to make that dreaded call to Papa Joe and Mother Alma about their son was mortally wounded. And um, that's pretty much uh, the gist of where we got the name Derek Olivier Research Institute. At that time, Fitz, Coach Hill, made the call and said, we're going to have an institute here. We're going to name it after Derek. And we're not just going to have an institute just to talk about things. We want to position ourselves to where we can help mitigate, to help prevent 
other African-American males from killing other African-American males or anybody for that fact. You know, the number one killer for African-American males ages one through 44 in this whole country is homicide. To me, that's embarrassing. I have a 27 year old son. So he falls in that category, even though he's a grandpa and he's a leader, even, you know, Turtle Antoine, he falls in the two at 42, you know? So of course we have to get Antoine at least 45 years old. We have to get others to at least 45 years old. That way the number one killer for a 45 year old is not homicide from African-American males. So um, that's where the name Derek Olivier is all about. We're about seeking solutions. We're about, of course, identifying and stopping this sin problem, because that's what it comes down to. It's a sin problem. And so um, we've been uh, on track so far. And, and right now in this phase of what we're doing, we're about data collecting and uh, harvesting research. And of course, we're an institute, so we make 21st century evidence-based recommendations for programs to uh, say, well, okay, here's what you can do. Here's what we have according to our data, according to the Dory data, here's what we have that, that can help you. So Derek Olivier and his life will not be in vain the way he lost his life and the hurt and scars, the pain and misery, he's not the only person that uh, has lost their lives due to this sin nature called homicide, especially amongst African-American males. And so uh, I was just made known last week that one of my old students from 15 years ago, I had him at another university. His name is Corey. Now Turtle knows him as Smoke. Smoke was also a student at Arkansas Baptist. And so I didn't have him in the classroom at Arkansas Baptist, but um, he died too, violence, gun. And uh, he was a father of six. And he died, I think about 10 years ago, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. He was real emotional, was telling me about how fed up he was, this and that and the other. And uh, just told him to calm down. But you never know the last time you're gonna see somebody. So I learned many years ago to kind of tell people especially young men, that I love them, that I care about them. A lot of times they don't hear that at all, you know? So it just really grieved my spirit on how, what happened to Corey, you know, smoked as well. And of course, and he was a student at ABC. It didn't happen on campus or around campus, but, um, you know, nonetheless, it still happened. Antoine, can you tell me a little bit about how you became involved with the Institute and some of the work that you do? Um, basically, I, I, like I said, I started school. I had my own little, um, I had my own little situation going on, and I ended up going to college. You know what I mean? And um, during my process in college and my transition of changing, um, I met Dr. Fitzhill. You know what I mean? And my grades weren't the best of grades. I was just going to school just because I really just thought it was the right thing for me to do, and I thought I can make a difference. You know what I'm saying? In my life, I thought. You know, I was on the verge of going to the penitentiary or, or getting killed. You know, that's the route. I, that's the route I was taking. And then, so I had an auntie dying of cancer, and she was like, "Man, she was in her last days." She was like, "Well, I want you to go to college." And she was trying to convince me to go, and I, you know, like I say, I went. I 
was I wasn't even fit to go go to school because I was working a job. I was content with working a job, and I thought school didn't have it was been messing up my time. But when my auntie told me that it was her last day, she had cancer, she was explaining everything. I was like, man, let me go to school with my auntie. And um, when I got there, it was just a little raggedy school. You know what I'm saying? I was like, man, what is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you got me coming up in here. This looked like a trap house, something in the neighborhood I ain't trying to even go to. You know what I mean? And she was just like, nah, nah, it's going to be somebody here that's going to come and change all of this. Somebody's going to change all of this. So I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So she was like, it's a guy coming named Dr. Fitz here. So I like that year I went through the school. I went on and joined. So Dr. Fitz Hill became the president of the school. And um, this was 207. And um, at this time, um, I ended up not paying too much attention and taking class just serious. I wasn't just focused in school because there was so much going on. And I, the way school looked at, I didn't think, you know what I'm saying, that it was even, it didn't matter. I didn't, I didn't care. I was just like, man, I'm in here. Let me go do it. And you know, in the transition of me doing good, I end up um my child ended up getting my six-year-old stepdaughter ended up getting killed. My house was shot with like 54 bullets. And I ended up losing my stepdaughter. You know what I'm saying? She was six years old. So, you know, I, you know, I'm like on the verge of dropping out. I'm on the verge of, I don't know, I'm just at the darkest point of my life, you know what I mean? I'm I'm asking God, like, what, 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 what should I do from here? You know what I mean? I'm trying to figure it out. And man, Dr. Fitz Hill just came, you know what I mean? He pulled up, came to, came to the house where my daughter got killed at, me and some guys was out there. And, um, you know, he started talking to us, you know what I'm saying? And, and he was like, what, where, where, where we gonna go from here? He asked me if anything I need, you know, he showed concern. And that was something I ain't never seen in a school before. Like a tragedy happened, you know, ain't no school principal gonna pull up at your house and actually ask you, are you even okay? Um, ask you if you need anything, you know what I'm saying? At this point, my thing, I just looked at him and told, and, and told him I ain't never had a suit before, you know? And I was like, man, the only time I, you know, I, I ain't never owned a suit. So he was like, man, I wanna buy you a suit. So, you know, he, he ended up buying me a suit and I asked him, hey, did he check my grades? Because, you know, I was on the verge of getting kicked out of school and my grades weren't good. And I wanted him to check my grades because I had got my grades up to A's and B's. You know, I had started focusing in school before the tragedy happened with my daughter. And, um, you know, he checked them and he said, man, I'm proud of your grades. And we got a suit and went through the funeral or whatnot. And, um, you know, he just, the school was there. You know what I mean? And then, it got me through the process. I ended up having to go back to prison for like 10 months. You know what I'm saying? The school rolled with me. You know what I'm saying? They rolled me letters. They they um, they um, monitored me, you know? And when I came home, you know, in 2011, you know what I'm saying? They enrolled me right back in school. Got my financial aid going. You know what I mean? They just, they patted me on the back, man. They welcomed me. Dr. Fitz said they never left. And um, at this time, that's when Derek Oliver ended up getting um killed on the campus man and i felt so so bad about it you know what i mean and i felt like it's just you know it's, it's just things we needed to do at arkansas baptist so i was able to you know what i'm saying take my story and and, and and take what happened to Derek oliver and you know be put in a position to make a difference you know what i'm saying and try to make this where this don't happen no more at our school because i really believe in the school you know what i'm saying i believe just you know school always was there for me.
at the Institute, you collect data and, and you do research. Can you tell me a little bit about, um, do you focus specifically on homicides in Arkansas? And, and what do you do with that research? Do you publish it regularly? How can, how can people access that? Now we're in a phase now of pretty much figuring out what type of soft, smart software we're gonna to apply towards that, to your question to that. And our focus has been primarily central Arkansas homicides, North Little Rock, Little Rock, Pine Bluff, the areas where you have a significant amount of African-Americans that live but we still look at numbers from all the way across the country. So this is, it's bigger, this problem that we're dealing with, and Charles knows this, Antoine knows this, it's not just the Little Rock or Central Arkansas problem, it's an American problem. And so, uh, you know, we have um, a partnership with uh, the University of, uh, well, OBU, and that's Wichita Baptist University. We also have a school in Toronto, Canada, University of Toronto, we're partnered with them and so uh, we're still trying to figure out uh, the ins and outs, the red tape and all that with that school up there in Toronto. But um, we've uh, pretty much been using data from all across the country. And what we do at Dory is that we aggregate that data. I've been talking to police chiefs, one in particular just recently, you know, he was asking me about uh, the homicide numbers. And so uh, he sent me his homicide numbers. And so when I looked at it, I've noticed that it didn't have any ages on it. It just had blackmail, you know, whatever. And so I told him, okay, well, I'm gonna take it a step further. Dory will take it a step further and we're gonna find out what the ages are to the persons who killed, the assailants who killed the, the uh, victims. And so um, that's pretty much what we do. We take it a step further. Like right now, you know, we have, uh, I'll show it to you right here. I don't know if you can see it all, but no, I'll read some of it to you. It says, between 2015 and 2020, black males were 36.6% of all U.S. homicides, but make up only 6.6% of the U.S. population. Now, that's embarrassing, but it's the truth. And, uh, you know, we don't hear too much of that when it comes to uh, issues in our neighborhood. We talk about police doing this, police doing that, which uh, that's the problem as well. But when it comes to these numbers here, that's comparing apples to oranges. Here's another one on this document here. It says a black male is killed every 1.2 hours in the US by another African-American male. Now just let that marinate. Every 1.2 hours, you have a black man being killed or a black male. Now I say male because sometimes the one that's fallen, killed, it's not really a man, it's, it's a child. You've had these little babies getting killed. You have these teenage right. boys getting killed, right? So that's pretty much uh, what we're doing. And, and that's what Turtle and uh, Charles, they're of course, our eyes and ears to the streets. You know, they see things sometimes that we don't see and uh, they plug in and fill in those gaps. And the last one here, it says here, Little Rock is 42% African-American, but 93% of the homicides are are african-american again another you know tall cell time and that is something that dory addresses and uh you know we have to seek these solutions and that's what we do at derrick levy research institute and charles i'm going to bring you into this um how do you help fill in those gaps as edmund was discussing 
Uh, we have filling in those guys by um, the expertise that we bring because we were once part of their balance. And we were once part of, of having a, I would say, an ignorant mind state. So we come, I come on, you know, through that professional level of, of like teaching my constituents and, and my uh, my partners on, on on how these young men are really thinking and what they're going through at this moment in time because I once was one of those young men. So how do you take this data that you have and turn it into action or turn it into prevention? One thing about what Dora Unit did, they, they came and got guys who got these amazing, unique stories in these neighborhoods and can actually be voices in these neighborhoods. They went down to the sources of the community's parents. You know what I'm saying? These kids' parents and let these kids and let us tell them what's really going on with our children, what's really going on on our street. You know what I'm saying? So so we can help tackle those problems. So we use our stories, man. We use our we use our experience. We use the the jail time that we've been through. We use everything that we've been through in life as an example, so we can show the next person or the next child what and what they should not be doing out here, or what route they need to take to better themselves. And and these are evidence based best practices to help mitigate homicides. And so uh, we've got a city leader in town named Director uh, Doris Wright. She's uh, been one of the few advocates of, uh, and she supports Dory, and we support what she's been doing as well. And she looks at the data as well, Ms. Antoinette, and uh, the data tells us, the data tells her that um, Dory is one of the lights as it relates to uh, finding ways to help mitigate the slowdown and stop the bleeding, because Little Rock is bleeding. And I think we're right. only at, I think we're at 31 homicides as of the last time I checked last night. And last year, this time we were at 30. So mathematically speaking, it's only a 3% increase. It's my job to look at the numbers. It's been real slow the last couple of days, which is good. We don't want no more homicides, you know? We had good events in this past yeah. week, you know? Mm -hmm. So the kids, People are able to, we, we, we making things more, we create more things for the people in these communities to do. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I reason why it's kind of slowed down this week. You know, we had the gala, we had, we passed out toys yeah. for Father's Day. Tell, tell, tell about those events. I forgot. Go ahead. Yes, sir. We did a lot of events last week in the, in the past couple of weeks. We was able to get out and um, we did a gala, you know what I'm saying? And that was to represent for um like our sponsors and, and show what we're doing in the neighborhood, kind of like to pat ourselves on the back to let us know that we're still doing good work. You know what I mean? So during the Gator, we ended up um, as a unit, the, the city was able to see uh, me and Charles and, and, and Mr. Davis get uh, a million dollar splash car wash, you know what I'm saying? Donated to our, to the Dover Foundation. So now we're gonna take that car wash and we're gonna take it on Wright Avenue, which is over here by Arkansas Baptist, over here by Arkansas Baptist, and um, we're gonna take the wheels and grills car wash and we're gonna turn it on car wash called Splash. And that was able to bring a resource to the neighborhood which provides like 20 to 30 jobs to people who need them in their community. Um, it's, it's able to, 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 to put a bridge, a resource with some, some good people in the community together. So we able to lock hands and get to know each other. You know what I'm saying? Cause that's a big factor out here in what Dora does. You know what I'm saying? We hands down, in the community, 
and that's what and that's and that's what make us so special and what and what make us do we're not we're not we're not afraid to get out here and do this this kind of work you know what i mean this, we feel like this kind of work is our purpose so when they found those kind of people and they came and interacted with us i think it's doing a, a good job in our community and um yeah man all this um we did a father's day program to pat the fathers on the back to show the fathers that that we're heavily needed, we're heavily favored, you know what I'm saying, during the crime of violence, because, you know, as experienced, you know, I've been on the other end where I had to too much cater to my, my baby's mother, the, the mother of this child, you know what I'm saying, and I kind of forgot about myself, you know what I'm saying, because I was lashing out too, and I was kind of getting mean, I had like little attitudes, I, I was going through it, and, you know, nobody kind of took the time out to say, look, turtle man, what's going on with you? And um, man, Dora did that, you know what I mean? They, they took the time out to find out what's wrong with me, you know what I mean? And, and we, was able to, we was able to come up with, and I was able to tell them. So I, as the Dora unit, as the president of the Dora unit, I wanted to use that experience to help them. And maybe we can do it, do, like we did a Mother's Day program and I was like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Maybe we need to do a father's too, you know what I'm saying? And doing that, that was able to help us, you know what I mean? Help the fathers and help the mothers see that we all important. We all playing our role. We all, you know what I'm saying, doing what God blessed us to do. You know what I'm saying? And let's, and let's tackle our problems. But yeah, you know, we did a lot of good events. You know what I'm saying? As far as the Father's Day and the Mother Day events, we set the doves off to let the mothers know, you know what I mean, that we love them. You know what I mean? We had, we had basses, we gave out toys. Um, and we did a lot of things to, to let the community know that we are here. And by me, Charles, and, and Mr. Davis putting our faces out there, they see people that they know they've done been through this. You know what I'm saying? It's it's certified what we done been through. He been on a bike, almost lost his life. You know what I'm saying? He back up. Charles done been did 13, 12 years in your penitentiary. I done did 10, 12 years in a penitentiary, had the house shot up, lost my child in the situation. So we are very experienced people on, 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 on what needs to be done out here in these communities. And that's what Dora would do. And that's what Dora would give us, you know, that's the, that's the advantage. That's the weapon that Dora has on the streets. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of community and a lot of communities don't have that. They don't have an entity on the streets where the person is respected. Um, the name is good. You can, he can, we can walk you through the neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? Because we literally took Dora unit and brought them to a, a known um, violent, community, which was Ward 1, the South End community, and we take them there and we show food drive, and we introduce our little homeboys and our big homeboys that never even was thought about education or thought about programming or anything. We introduce those things to the community. So, you know, that's that's that, that, that's, that's, that's big out here, and that, and that helps slow things down when you, when you, when you, when they see you active and they see that you, they see people that they know them being these situations because that's important that people like like a lady said on our show last night podcast empowering my environment she said how can a skinny lady she was a heavy set lady how can a skinny lady that has never been fat before tell me anything about what i'm losing and what i'm going through when i'm losing my weight you know what i'm saying she was like i'd rather listen to somebody who's been big before and then got little and say god done help me change this you know what I'm saying? Then to, then to listen to somebody that never been experienced in it. So once Dora figured out that, okay, the streets listen to experience, you know what I'm saying? They don't listen to people that they don't know. They don't, cause we don't, we don't know them. 
But if you find that person and you find them entities that that been there and done that and know how the streets feel and really understand what's going on, you know what I'm saying? You can get some stuff done. So I believe that Dora was on the street, um, Prime Environment was on the street, Charles was on the street, Mr. Davis was on the street. We was on the street doing what we were supposed to do. And you know, and that kind of slowed the violence down for a couple of weeks. And I think we need to keep doing that, like keep getting resources, keep giving things out to the community, what you call it, community service be high on the community service because a lot of people need to be given some things, you know what I'm saying, to, to feel good. Everybody likes a gift. And when you give your community a gift, you know what I mean? They're going to be happy. They're going to work with you and they're going to favor you. You know what I'm saying? So Dora has a group of guys that's favored out here. And that's what, and that's what, that's why we win. This is also about building relationships. And so what we've done is, is that we've built relationships with the mothers who have lost children to violence, to homicides. And uh, that is sustained, in the backdrop, that has sustained a lot of things that we're doing to have the support from these mothers and the dads too, but mostly it's been the mothers. Most of these killings are from single parent backgrounds. And so uh, that's the, the, the uh, quintessential truth. And so when you're looking at these mothers and they're listening to you, they confide in you they trust Dory and, and we trust them as well. And so, uh, you know, we, we care about them. And so every time we hear about someone losing their life, we try to reach out to uh, the family and to let them know that we have a group, a support group. And Mrs. Alma mm -hmm. Olivier in South Louisiana, she's been pretty much uh, the head over this group. And they've actually, and what we do is we partner too with the Little Rock Police Force we partner with the uh, Little Rock Police Department, rather. We also partner with the Pulaski County Sheriff's Office. We partner with uh, a number of others as well. And so uh, parents of uh, murdered children, they're another organization we've been a uh, partner with, with gentlemen like Mr. Earl Williams, who's lost three sons to homicide. I can't fathom that, but you know, he's, he's, he's with us and uh, you know, he's a, he's a, He's built different. I'll just say that because uh, a lot of people will go crazy and jump off a building or something, but no, this man is still here with us and he's been trying to find ways to help mitigate homicides. But again, going back to partnerships, we're big on that. And it goes back to uh, supporting the mothers and that we know that if you, if when, when these mothers speak, answering that people listen. And so before they can listen to Ed Davis or, uh, you know, or Charles, they'll listen. You know, they'll listen to Turtle more so than they'll listen to me because he's lost a daughter, uh, you know, baby Kamaya. And so, um, you know, definitely uh, she's just as important in this whole mix as Derek is. And so uh, that's important. And we have to, you know, keep that, you know, hides there. And Charles, when you're out in the community having these conversations with people who trust you, what are some of the common threads that you're hearing, some of the same things that you're hearing from them in terms of um, what they need or what they want, maybe in terms of resources. And, and that's the thing that um, when we do come to these people, because you're coming to um, heavy gang members and, and drug dealers. So when you're asking a person to take some, if you're asking people to stop selling drugs or stop doing something that's, that's putting money in their pocket, you must have a resource to replace that. So that's why the door unit 
Restore Hope, 100 Families. The, um, this is my first time ever working with police. I'm trying, I'm still getting used to it, but hey, we gotta do what we have to do. But um, they're, they're bringing us resources so we're able to give back to our community to be like, hey, hey man, let's get out this corner. Let's do this, let's do this. Hey, it's an opportunity over here. You can go over here and make the same amount of money legally. And you don't have to look over your shoulder. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to depend on a on a gang unit or a gang function to make money. And so that's what uh, we're doing. We're trying to we try to take poverty out of our neighborhood little by little. So, and that's one of the main reasons why there's so much violence in our neighborhood. Poverty. Poverty is a major factor in our neighborhood. So um, we're working with everybody we can work with, the uh, Scott Boys, the um, Man, all the powerhouses, man, to try to bring uh, economic resources to our neighborhood so we can do better. It sounds like Dory does quite a bit of outreach, quite a bit of partnering with community organizations um, already. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on? Um, any new um, outreach programs that you're ready to launch or any new reports that you're going to be issuing soon that people can look yes. forward to? Yes. Yes, because soon we bring in, we, we have the car wash in, in play. And also, ME and y, uh, YEM, we're, we're trying to put it to where we can have a full drive every month for the rest of this year where we can feed our people. So regardless of what it is, you can come eat. Uh, Antoine and I are also trying to put together the right of passage program for our youth ages 8 through 13, where our young boys, we're trying to help, we're trying to prevent these boys from joining the gang. Because those are the ages where, where, where they come in. It. So we're trying to catch them at that age. Also, we're trying to get a uh, community center going in every neighborhood in a feeding program where those children can go and eat in the morning. They need proper nutrition to go to school and learn and things like that. Also, Antoinette, we have a publication that will be coming out hopefully in uh, August. This publication will be sent throughout the country. It has the data, some of the data that I gave you earlier, but it'll have much more than that. And so um, that'll be one of the driving economic forces behind keeping the wheel spinning at Dory, this uh, publication. And also uh, we uh, are not gonna stop. We're gonna have another event coming up. We've had one for Father's Day. We had one for Mother's Day. I'm sure we'll have one set up for families. In the future, we'll do something similar for families. One other um, outreach program that I did want to touch on that is a newer one is the Keeping It 100 with Dory um, radio program that's on Buffalo Radio, so Arkansas Baptist College's new uh, radio station. Mm -hmm. Can you let our listeners know when they can tune into that and what they can expect to hear on that program? Sure. Thank you for that question, Ms. Antoinette. Now, Keeping It 100 with Dory is pretty much giving uh, a voice to the students on our campus. Now we're the only campus, excuse me, we're the only college in America that has 63% of its student body, African-American males. And, and I'll say that again for those just, just now listening. 63% uh, at a co-ed school, whether it's a college or university, private parochial graduate school, nowhere else in the country where you see that, that 63% of the students our African-American males at a co-ed school. And so given all the trauma, given all the, uh, you know, trauma that 
accompanies African-American males in their respective neighborhoods, you know, given that the fact that the number one killer for African-American males ages one through 44 is a homicide, you know, that's something that you have to take notice about. And so we bring on students, primarily African-American males. We do have a few uh, black women come on as well, but mostly African-American male students come to the show. Sometimes they call in, sometimes they visit the studio on campus and uh, they are pretty much in a healthy manner. It's not a venting session, but they tell their stories and how homicide has affected their lives, how trauma, hashtag drama is trauma in the black community. So they talk about the trauma they've experienced. I had young men tell me some things that I'm thinking, wow, you've, you've gone through a whole lot. And I thought I've had some baggage myself, but um, that's pretty much what they do. And they talk about these uh, occurrences. They talk about these instances. And so of course, by this being a Dory show, they have that platform where at most other places, no one wants to hear what they're talking about. So now they have a voice. They have an opportunity to uh, say what's on their mind and to uh, give us that window. Now, at the end of the show, we always have a counselor come on, you know, certified uh, specialist or counselor or a psychotrauma therapist or, or a doctor or sometimes police officers. Sometimes we have uh, people who are professionals at their skill sets. They kind of help counter that narrative and give advice or kind of give ways to the young people how they can help mitigate that issue that they're dealing with. And so, of course, um, that's pretty much what, what Door is all about. I think we had a uh, one, two, three. We first got the show started back in March. And so we've only been around for about three, almost four months now. And so uh, it's internet radio. It comes on every Thursday at six o'clock. And uh, sometimes we have people from all over the country from that professional side that is that are counselors and are certified specialists. And uh, they call in and they give input. They give their interpretation of what the students, the community, uh, sometimes the school, what others can, can need. What is the importance of sharing your story, not just on the radio program, but in general, um, or discussing um, these traumas that people have experienced. I mean, especially some of you here today have, you know, been gracious enough to share some of your personal stories and they are difficult to discuss, but what is the power in voicing those experiences and sharing them with someone else? It, um, sharing the stories help people, you know what I'm saying? Like, even like, like if somebody hear a good story that relates to them, you know what I'm saying? That cleans your soul, you know what I'm saying? Like me, when the more I, like I used to then talk about what happened to me, you know what I'm saying, and what happened to my family. You know what I mean? I always kept it bottled up. You know what I'm saying? I never said nothing. I let other people talk for me, but but I I was angry. You know what I'm saying? Like I never, I never, I I, I never could get my point across. Like, I, but when I started talking about it, when I started like opening up, you know what I'm saying? Actually, when I started podcasting for um Restore Hope and the Governor 
Ace, you know what I mean? I, I, it, it opened me up. It cleansed me more. It made me feel feel like somebody listening. Made me, it, made, it made resources listen to me, um, ask me what's wrong. You know what I'm saying? It, it just pointed me in the, in the right direction. So telling your telling our stories, that's mm-hmm. vital in our community. Our, our community, our stories are everything. You know what I'm saying? Especially in people in, in our position. You know what I'm saying? Because right now, stories are the thing. You know what I'm saying if you ride a story wave, a good story wave, you know, it can create a lot of doors and create a, a, a um and help a community mentally, financially, in all aspects. So, you know what I mean? So, that's all that's 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 all our, our story do. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 they 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 for relation. You, you we get them out, we say them, and we, it makes us feel better. It um. It um it, it it helps people call us and say, oh yeah, Mr. Jones, man, I I've been going through what 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 you going through, you know what I'm saying? Cause you you know I done had a few fathers who done lost their child call me and ask me how I do it, you know what I mean? Like how you do it, you know what I'm saying? I, I, like I tell them I did it through education and finding research people who believe in what we do. That's what our stories do out here, you know what I'm saying? They change life. Yes, absolutely. They're quite powerful. As we conclude our conversation, does anybody have any final thoughts or any um, last things that they would like to share? This is a this is a God inspired ministry. You know, without the Lord, this ain't going nowhere. And we need the church to support it as well, just as well as the community has and others. And so, um, we are going to be very prayerful for those who have lost, you know, children to violence, to gun violence. And uh, we want to thank those who have supported us. And uh, we also want to say thank you to um, Fitz Hill for listening to the Lord, for helping to put this thing on track. And to uh, not just to him, but to others, the parents, to Mama Joe, Alma, to uh, Alma Olivier, and also to Joseph Olivier. We thank you both. And of course, to Mrs. Uh, Jones, to uh, um, Turtle's wife, we thank her as well. And so, of course, we have to thank all these people moving forward because without them, uh, we're not going anywhere. And thank you, Ms. Antoinette, for this interview. And we look forward to doing more work with you in the future, hopefully. Yes, I look forward to that as well. Thank you all so much for joining me today and taking the time. Really, really appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thanks again to today's guests, Edmund Davis, director of the Derek Olivier Research Institute, and his colleagues, Antoine Jones and Charles Newsom. You can learn more about their research and outreach efforts at arkansasbaptist.edu slash Derek-Olivier-Research-Institute. Well, that's it for today's show. And don't forget, you can listen to previous episodes of our podcast at argotsoul.com slash affirmative action. You can also subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts. I'm Antoinette Grajeda. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back soon with a brand new episode. But until then, take care.